0: Welcome to Whiskey and Wonder. Hello, my friends. All right.
1: Hello.
2: If you are listening and if you are watching on YouTube, you can see our camera has changed.
1: A little bit, yeah. And
2: you heard a third voice. We have on us <laughs> on our show today, friend Shelby has yes. joined us. Hello. She as is. our first guest.
1: Yes, our first guest. She's going to help me a lot today
2: navy is going to play everybody a song <laughs> Will you just mute that thank you uh navy is going to play everybody a song um my friend shelby is going to help megan today uh so my god navy's tail is a weapon <laughs> of mass destruction right now it is smacking everything and we have another microphone in the room to pick it up so Whoops. um we're a whiskey and wonder, where we drink a uh, new whiskey every week and then we wonder. I'm Tyler. I'm that Megan. Over Megan. Yep. I'm Shelby. That's friend Shelby again. <laughs> <laughs> round of applause. I mean, <laughs> God, Tyler. <laughs> nah, that was on purpose. Uh, anyway, jerk. Um, so we have, uh, you know, a couple of announcements. We're gonna start with. Really. Um, you know, guys. Life has been a cluster the past few weeks for uh, taking turns between myself and Megan. I can't say too much here. Um, All I can say is that I was... I believe I mentioned it on the last episode. I was scheduled for minor surgery. Let's just say that surgery went as wrong as it possibly could have. And I I mean like as the worst. And... I just had to spend some time uh, in the hospital in a coma, essentially, um, and it didn't look good there for a while, so I have had zero chance to do any research this week. Uh, because of that, Megan actually...
1: I did research again.
2: ...came through and...
1: And... Champ. I am... It's going to be so <laughs> much better than last week's episode. I am redeeming myself here.
2: <laughs> well, I last week's wasn't nearly as bad as my worst one. <laughs> Um, but with all that being said, because of everything I've gone through this week and my recovery, I am here, I'm home, I'm normal. And by luck, I can't get into too many specifics on what exactly happened. If you know me in real life, reach out and we'll talk. Um, but until then, I just don't want to say too much about it for legal reasons. Um, But I can't drink. So that's the moral of the story. Um, And so friend Shelby is volunteering to fill in. I will.
1: Voluntold.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
2: She she was kind of voluntold. Um, (laughs) But
0: I'm here and I'm excited about it.
2: Yeah. And so she's, I'm going to smell and I'm going to take one teeny tiny little baby sip because I'm officially off all my meds as of. Nine o'clock, and it is 9.53, so all my meds have worn off, so I can legally have, or I guess I can legally have it. But, <laughs> you can do you it know. if you want. Um, so I, I'm going to taste one little taste just to give my brief opinion. Um, Shelby is by no... No expert. Mm-mm. But she's here. She's <laughs> nice enough to fill in for us.
1: Yeah, so it doesn't have to be just me talking about it. I exactly. thought that would that would feel kind of weird and awkward, so... <laughs> I wanted to have someone who could taste with me.
2: There we go. I so, got you. With that being said, we are Whiskey and Wonder. Check us out at whiskeyandwonder.com or Instagram at whiskeypodcast. And you can email us at contact at whiskeyandwonder.com. Everything else is in the show notes or on the screen in you uh, on YouTube, except for Shelby because Shelby doesn't really have any contact
0: information. But reach out to them instead. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: Yay. Send <laughs> us emails, please.
2: Um, we don't really have any other announcements or updates because of the uh, week it was. Oh,
1: my God. Yeah. Can shirts not. will um, happen when they happen. I've been yep. a little stressed.
2: And I've been a little out of it. Literally.
1: <laughs> so... Uh, it's not funny. Why are we? Laughing? It's not funny.
2: It is. Uh, I'm. I'm very glad that we can look back on it and laugh now. I'm. I'm very lucky that that this has happened. But anyway, because of all that, we have no new announcements. Nothing. Where if I had the Sad Prices Right, no- Prices Right, noise, I would play it. But <laughs> trademarks and whatnot. Um. So as always, to everybody that donates and supports us, we appreciate it. We are working to get some bonus content if. I could stop dying and things could actually progress and we could get a little bit ahead in life. Um, But anyway, with all that being said, opening the bottle, we'll move on and open the bottle this week.
1: All right. We are drinking another rye today. This is Southern star double rye whiskey. This is a North Carolina com- uh, distillery. Um, it's located in Statesville, North Carolina. So it is literally within like spitting distance of Tyler's house. Um, and yours. And mine. Yes, that is true. It is a true grain to glass distillery located in historic Statesville, North Carolina. Southern Distilling is the first licensed distillery located in the, quote, liquor capital of the world, unquote, since 1903. Don't quite know what that means, but that's what the website says, so I read it to you guys.
2: I would guess that goes back to moonshine and NASCAR.
1: Yeah, it, it all sense.
2: started in the hill, the foothills of North Carolina, which is where Statesville is. So,
1: I mean, that makes sense.
2: If you want to. Terrible, terrible description of that. Check out the Raymond Parks episode I did, easily (laughs) the worst episode we've ever done.
1: Um, From a dream conceived on a family farm, Southern Distilling Company was founded by Pete and Vienna Barger in 2013 as a way to tap into home and heritage and revive the legacy of those deep distilling roots. So this is a very small company from what I can tell. Um, and I'm kind of looking forward to seeing what they, um, bring to the table. Uh, this rye is a very pretty color. Um, it's nice and ambery, kind of like almost a liquid gold. Um, so that makes me pretty excited. Tyler, you're smelling it. So what do you,
2: I am. And I, I don't know how to describe the smell. A lot of people have mentioned Southern star that we need to do something from them and that we need to get up there and take a tour and whatnot. Um, So I'm hoping for good things. What I do smell uh, at the end is definitely a little bit of uh, a very small amount of burn your nose hairs.
1: Yeah, definitely not overwhelming. Um,
2: I would say it's a little bit citrusy as well as.
1: I wonder if this is in a sherry cask.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um cuz I'm definitely getting yeah. like a sherry type. Um, yeah,
2: I was I was going to say a little bit floral, a little bit citrus.
1: Um but and, sherry
2: is a very good
1: descriptor. Uh it does not look like their website says if it's brewed in sherry casks or not, but it definitely smells like it is. Um I think it smells pretty good. Um it smells really sweet. It's Fruity, floral, um, it, it smells to me like a sherry or a brandy, um, and not so much, a a heavy rye whiskey like I was expecting. So I'm curious to know what we're going to get when we, uh, give it a taste.
2: And as you guys could see when I held it up to the thing, we only got little shooters of it, um, just for, uh. Honestly, Megan, why did we only get shooters of it?
1: Because it was at the checkout thing, and I have poor self-control.
2: Okay, well, <laughs> that explains it. Megan's <laughs> the one that got this. this so, um, uh, if, if you notice, I, I took Shelby's glass and I sniffed it. I honestly, I wasn't going to drink, period, but I really, really wanted to try this, so yeah. I am going to take it. a little sip. <laughs>
1: Well, we are supposed to be smelling warm and caramely with a subtle sweetness. There's a spiciness that comes through as well that reads more of a cinnamon spice than a pepper spice.
2: I agree wholeheartedly yeah. with that. It's yeah. a very smooth. It's not a burn your nose hairs, but it's a noticeable spice on the back end. What right. in the front end? You said vanilla and sweet. Uh, caramel. Caramel and sweet.
1: Mm. Um. Okay, I took a quick sip um hoping to get something in my mouth so I could fill some dead air as you taste it. Well, um, I
2: literally just like got a drop on my tongue, and all I can say is it burned, yeah, um
1: yeah, it burned pretty um heavy going down. I am getting a really orange citrus um on the back end, um almost like an orange peel, I would say, like it's it's very, very citrusy right at the end
2: i disagree really yeah the citrus hit me up front right on the tip of the tongue the the finish is long spicy and it's more it's not the peppermint spice no. it is the actual spice that i'm lingering in, and it is very okay. leathery leathery, leathery. earthy Is what? Yeah, I mean, it's still. I took one sip, and it's still burning, and it's still lingering. I'm, I'm out. I'm tabbing out.
0: (laughs) Um, I taste the caramel and the citrus. Really?
2: Where do you taste the caramel? When initially? Initially? Yeah,
1: yeah, that's what I, I got it initially too, and then at the end I get the citrus.
0: I feel like it goes away really fast. Yeah, the
1: caramel. It definitely does. For sure.
2: What is lingering in your throat?
0: Like spicy, like you said. Like, yeah. Mm.
2: What is what is the undertone? Because the spice is definitely the forefront, but there's the undertone for me of like yeah. a leathery. Taste like I'm
1: not leathery. getting leather. No. no, I'm not getting any type of leather or earthy hmm.
2: taste.
0: There's, it's something though. It, there's something else there's besides a dull, spice. It's
2: a there's the spice is the forefront, and there's a dull. Maybe
1: it's, I really think it's an orange peel at the finish. Oh. Yeah, I, I don't. That's, oh, I taste
0: that? Yeah, uh huh. I don't get it's that. It's like at what's all. lingering. I feel like.
1: Yeah, it's definitely lingering. Like I feel like if I like go like, num, 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 like num. it's a little bitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: I I don't get that at all. What's lingering now, and it's been a little while. I even took a sip of water after, but it's still a y leathery.
0: Hmm. So,
1: I don't know where you're where you're getting leather. I don't either. Um, but we are supposed to taste herbaceous and citrusy with a smooth sizzle that warms the mouth. The notes melt into a vanilla sweetness that hangs toward the back of the palate.
2: Yep. I would uh, that I definitely taste the vanilla hanging still.
1: I feel like the vanilla happened more towards the front for me. And I'm getting the citrus more hanging on the end. Yeah. Um the finish is supposed to be. Just long enough for you to sink deep into the thought, get through a page in your book, or contribute to a good conversation with friends. It's not too long, though, and always leaves you coming back for more. I disagree. Yeah, I disagree also.
2: That it's not too long of a finish?
1: I feel like it is a long finish. Yeah, Yeah. I,
2: I feel like it's a very long finish, but... definitely Depending on, you know, how you want to drink your whiskey, I mean, if you want to sip it, and while you read a book or have a conversation, I, mean, I would say that's a that's a pretty pretty good length of a finish. Um, it definitely has me wanting to take another sip.
0: Um, Do you want to?
2: <laughs> no. I, I, yes, I want to, but I, yeah. I'm I'm tapping good. out. Good cat. I'm good tapping out. Job. I'll try it another day.
1: I'm proud of you, Tyler. Yeah. yeah, same.
2: Well, thanks. I appreciate it.
1: Um,
0: I'll drink for you.
2: That's that's why we're I would say that's why we hired you, but
0: and <laughs> getting paid. Do
2: we? <laughs>
1: so. Speaking of which, uh, sponsor us please. <laughs> yes. Please. We get shameless plug.
2: We get dozens of listens per episode. <laughs> Oh, uh, shit. All right, on that note
0: it's time for the wonder segment.
1: all right, so this week um i'm it's a second week in a row of me researching um because of the craziness that happened, and I was so disappointed in myself last episode. I knew I wanted to do something that was incredibly entertaining and fascinating um and something that i could really fall heavy into the research for and just love every second of it this is a topic that tyler already knows a lot about um because it's one of the first things me and tyler ever bonded over as friends um
2: yeah i honestly i think that was when we kind of made that transition that's what started the transition Mm-hmm. In our relationship from when we met, yep to friends to friends, yeah, I agree, um, so it was uh, just to preface this, Megan mentioned that um earlier this evening, and i basically just flat out asked if it was this topic, if it was a specific topic but and and I know you guys have heard on here, Megan and I referenced a previous podcast we did um was I right earlier?
1: You were wrong. I'm letting. I'm saving that topic for you to do because I know it's something you do? know so much about. Yeah.
2: Okay. I have a n Okay. All right. I'm curious as well, what your topic is then, because I thought of another one related.
1: You, similarly, I mean, if you think about it hard enough, you're eventually going to run into what my topic is about.
2: Okay. Well, I'll, um, I'm curious then. The
1: so anticipation is this killing. This is me. <laughs> this is hopefully something Shelby has never heard of. So, it will be her first time on this wild ride. Today, we are going to learn about the legendary lefty lunatic, Rube Waddell. Oh, yes. I know all about Mr. Rube. All right. My favorite baseball player of Uh, all time. Baseball, yeah. I
2: can sit through this all happily.
1: (laughs) Fantastic. All right. So, let's... I'm going to talk... A lot here at first about baseball and the statistics. This is not what the show is about. If you don't like baseball, please just hang on for a few minutes. Get through it. Listen to it. Because I'm only going to talk about this a little bit. And most of his story does not involve baseball at all, but involves him being the most unique person that has ever walked on this planet.
2: Uh, And I would also like to say, if you don't like baseball, shame on you. (laughs) (laughs)
1: true so he was born George Edward Waddell on October 13th 1876 in Bradford Pennsylvania as of today in 2021 he is still ranked in the top 100 baseball players of all time he played a 13-year career from 1897 to 1910 he played in both the national and and the American leagues and was a left-handed strikeout pitcher. He was ambidextrous. He batted right-handed, but he always pitched left-handed and he was amazing. Cy Young. Have you heard of him? You might have, because he's the pitcher we have pitching awards for. Cy Young called Waddell the greatest left-hander of all time. Connie Mack and Christy Mathewson also baseball players believed he was the greatest pitcher ever, period.
2: Um just for one more random trivia on Connie Mack that Megan may or may not have, he is also considered to be one of the best managers ever in baseball.
1: Yes. And he he has to be to be able to handle Waddell, but we'll we'll get into it. So Waddell is a giant for his time. He is 225 pounds and 6 foot 2 inches tall. He has very large feet and very large hands, even despite his size. They're big even for him. So, most likely historians believe he had some form of giant giantism. He could nearly touch his middle finger to his thumb while holding a baseball. It fit in his hand like a billiard ball. So if I touch my thumb to my finger, I think that might fit a golf ball. Maybe. Wait a minute. Oh, do you have a golf ball or something? No, I have a baseball. You have a baseball.
2: It's signed by uh, 2020 National League. Oh, I don't want to touch it. Freddie Freeman. I'm not going to touch it. And also. I didn't know you had that. Evan Gaddis. Yeah, Freddie Freeman. Wow. I got that signed. That's nifty.
1: Yeah. That's super Um, nifty.
2: So I'm going to try to do this without smudging any of the signatures here. Just for reference, that's what I got.
1: Tyler I can, has big hands. Yeah. So. I have long fingers. Yeah. I don't have big hands. Well. I can't
2: palm a basketball. But, yep. So just for yeah. reference, that is a legit league size baseball. Yep. Signed by Freddie Freeman. <laughs> and Evan Gaddis. if anybody else cares.
1: <laughs> um. So he... His hands were humongous. He had full grip and full control of his ball. And his spin was insanely controlled. He could throw a curveball at the speed of a fast ball. He threw screwballs just as well as Christy Matthews, who was famous for screwballs. He had an arsenal of different pitches that he could call upon at any point during any game. In 1903, Rube struck out 301 batters. No other pitcher that year topped 175. In 1904, he struck out 349 batters and walked just 81. In his entire career, He never walked a hundred in any season. His 349 strikeout record wasn't broken until 1965. And by then the season had been lengthened in 1904. Rube missed eight starts because of an injury and he could have possibly broken 400 strikeouts. If it wasn't for that injury. Biographer Alan Levy says, quote, Rube's strikeout feat needs to be considered in context, too. In 1904, players to tend to swing not for the fences, but just to make contact. So strikeouts were less frequent. Here, Rube was a phenomenon far beyond the normal play of his day. The 349 he struck out in 1904 bettered half the total of any other team that year. Unquote. So he officially played professionally for five teams in the major leagues. He played for the Louisville Colonels, the Pittsburgh Pirates, the Chicago Orphans, the Philadelphia Athletics, and the St. Louis Browns. He won the triple crown in pitching in 1905. So Triple crown in pitching means he both led the league in wins, in strikeouts, and had the best um, earned run average.
2: For anybody that doesn't know, that's the amount of earned runs you give up over nine innings averaged out throughout the season. Yes. Um, And I think you touched on it earlier about that time period in baseball, that it was he was he was pitching in the dead ball era. Yes. That is an era where the ball did not fly.
1: Mm-mm.
2: Teams did not they manufactured runs. They did not
1: They didn't go for home homers. runs. Home runs yeah. weren't
2: really a thing no. unless like a fielder really screwed up. <laughs> um it wasn't, you know, that wasn't over until Babe Ruth yep. basically around 1920ish.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Um, He was the ERA leader in both 1900 and 1905, so again, the earned run average. For six consecutive seasons, he was the American League's strikeout leader from 1902 to 1907, and he was inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame in 1946. His strikeout-to-walk ratio is 3 to 1. Rube was not only possibly the best pitcher ever, he also was a great athlete in general. He was great at football. He was a marksman that often beat champion riflemen. His boxing impressed heavyweight champ, Jim Jeffries. And he could beat club champions at golf with no practice and borrowed clubs. He could fish in streams, thought long dead and pull out trout and bass. So, why isn't he more known? Why isn't it the Rube Waddell Award instead of the Cy Young Award? Ladies and gentlemen, non-binaries alike, strap in, fasten your seatbelts, and keep all hands and legs inside the coaster at all times because we are about to go for a ride. Let's do it.
2: You you completely threw me when you said keep all arms, hands, and feet inside the coaster (laughs) because I thought it was some sort of whiskey pun because we have all our glasses sitting on coasters. I didn't think roller coaster.
1: I mean, I actually like where your mind went. Yeah, I liked that. Yeah,
2: I was like, wait, who sticks their arms outside of a coaster? (laughs) Oh, boy. I haven't even been drinking, guys.
1: That's okay. You have an excuse. (sighs) Yeah, I guess so. So Connie Mack... Was the manager of the Philly A's. That was the team he's played the most for. That was his, like, highlights of his career. Everything happened when he was with the A's. He won all those awards.
2: And this is back in a time when there were player managers. Yes. You know, the guy that managed it was also a player.
1: Yes. Connie Mack arguably knew Rube better than anyone else, and when asked what Rube could have accomplished with better self-management, Mack would wistfully say, quote, That Waddell, if only he had ever grown up. My, 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 my goodness. Rube was eccentric, to put it mildly. Psychologists today would probably diagnose him manic depressive, bipolar, narcissistic, and suffering numerous other personality disorders. He was 100% an alcoholic and surely existed somewhere on the autism spectrum. Here is a story from Alan Levy's biography, Rube Waddell The Zany, Brilliant Life of a Strikeout Artist. Quote One evening on the road, Mac was in a hotel lobby talking with a front desk clerk when Rube strode in. Rube pulled out his handkerchief as he walked by, and a pistol dropped out of his pocket. The gun landed on the floor and discharged, leaving a sizable hole in the wall and a lot of shaken people, including the desk clerk. Rube said nothing and walked upstairs. (laughs) Mac looked at the dazed clerk and calmly observed, that man is unpredictable, leaving the incident to resonate in the dazed clerk as it would. Unquote. Unpredictable is a good word. Rube Waddell Connie Mack said quote I have been in this business for a couple lifetimes I have seen them all I have seen wild bill this and screwy Sam that but in his heyday the Rube made them all look like amateur night I never suffered a dull moment as long as he was on my payroll but when he was right I've never had another who could touch him John McGraw, manager of the New York Giants, said, quote, No one ever knew exactly the mental process that enabled Waddell to think so clearly and quickly on the field and then do such nonsensical and freakish things off the field. Alan Levy compared the Rube to Paul Bunyan, Huckaberry Finn, and Forrest Gump with one key difference. Rube Waddell was not fictional. This is his story, recorded and researched as true, provable fact. There are no exaggerations here. There are no tall tales. George Edward Waddell's life will seem fake, but it is as real as you, dear listener.
2: This some real shit, (laughs) (laughs) y'all.
1: So George Edward Waddell was born in 1876 to John and Mary Waddell. He had four siblings, and from age three, George stood out as a different sort of child. At three, he simply walked away from his family's farmhouse and into the firehouse. He proceeded to stay there for several days, sleeping among the firemen. He liked it there. And fire stations, fire trucks, firefighters would be a lifelong obsession. We'll get to it. At seven, he was annoyed that a fish was evading his hook, so he just jumped in the water and grabbed it with his hands. George Edward was literate, but seldom attended school. He had better things to do. Like at nine years old, he would help tend the farm and quickly realize crows would swoop down into the field and steal seeds that farmers planted. So he started to carry rocks around in his pockets and would hurl the stones at any crows he saw. He could throw hard and accurate, and the birds gave the future pitcher plenty of practice. He threw rocks both left and right-handed, though in baseball, he only would pitch left. At 19, he began to play ball for the Butler, Pennsylvania team. Now, back in this time frame, back in this day, um, baseball was a, it was the Wild West of baseball. Um, There was very little um, structure, very little actual rules. So there was like different croppings of teams and different leagues all over the entire country. Um, So (coughs) I guess I would describe the team he played played on uh, in Butler as what we would call a minor league team today. Um, It was... It wasn't, you know, just some kids playing in their backyard, but it wasn't crowds of thousands of people either.
2: Baseball was organized at the time. There were just multiple leagues competing one another. If you've listened to our podcast, if you listen to the Super Bowl and the history of the NFL episode, um, similar to how the NFL had multiple leagues, football leagues competing All at one time and eventually merged into one major league baseball uh, and one national football league. That's basically what was happening at this time.
1: Yeah. So I mentioned that because um, he originally grew up playing country bumpkin baseball. And in Butler, at first, on bouncers that went back to the mound, and a bouncer is a ball that goes back to the pitcher, basically. it Gets hit with the bat, goes back to him. So, on a bouncer that came back to him, he would scoop up the baseball and fucking whip it at the runner. <laughs> He'd clobber the shit out of them because he had been taught that hitting a batter with a ball would get them out. His team had to explain to him that he couldn't eviscerate runners and hadn't been allowed to for 20 years as of 1895. So this dude, this huge dude with a strong arm, would pick up a baseball (laughs) and lob it at the dude running because he thought if he hit him, the dude would be out.
0: Yeah.
2: At one point,
0: that was a rule of baseball.
1: It was, but not for 20 years. Yes. So dodgeball and baseball was a thing. Uh, yeah, I mean, I <laughs> guess if you put yeah. it that way, yeah. yeah. I wouldn't have thought of it, but like that, but yeah, yeah, Shelby. I that's mean,
2: realistically, if you are hit by the if you're a base runner inside the foul lines, you're hit by the ball, you're out. Yeah. Unless it's like uh, you're sliding into the base and third baseman misses it, yeah. but like if you're running from first to second and the ball hits you, you're out.
0: Yep, I didn't know that.
2: I don't think it's like if they throw it and it hits you, but off the bat, oh. that's that's interference. Yeah. Yep.
1: Waddell's attendance would struggle his entire career because he would often get bored and just walk off the mound in the middle of the game. Remember his love for fire and fire trucks and yeah. firehouses. Well, Rube often volunteered time fighting fires, so much so that in Butler, he wore red skivvies so that if he heard a fire truck, he could strip down right on the field and take off after it in proper fire attire. He did this so often that managers tried to stop Rube by changing dress rules. Red underwear was not allowed to be worn with his uniform. Problem was, Rube only owned Red under clothes. So he just started going commando. (laughs) There was one reported time where Rube heard a fire bell and stripped off his uniform mid-game, either forgetting or uncaring that he was buck-ass naked (laughs) underneath. (laughs) (laughs) He ran off the field towards the fire in all of his God-given glory.
2: You know it had to be flopping. <laughs> just that—that uh, that is big dick energy. It was just flopping it down to his knees, probably. Oh my
1: God, <laughs> Jesus.
2: I'm just saying. Uh, in
1: 1896, Waddell moved to Franklin, uh, Pennsylvania. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> uh, let's start that paragraph over again. In eighteen ninety six Waddell moved to Franklin, Pennsylvania, to play for a new baseball league called the Iron and Oil League. It was in June that June in Franklin that Waddell earned the moniker we know him by Rube. There are three probable stories, all which boil down to George Edward Waddell's appearance in the late nineteenth century. Rube was slang for hick, country bumpkin, farm boy, etc. And Waddell was big and broad and goofy. But so for the same reason, he began to be called Rube. And at first, Waddell hated the nickname, going as far as to shove a man down a flight of stairs for calling him it. But eventually the name grew on him. However, He would always be called Eddie by his managers and friends.
2: I did not know that.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: The Iron and Oil League failed, and Rube went back home to the farm in Prospect, Pennsylvania. He went back to playing irregularly in Butler and annoying or endearing his family and community with his antics. And it seemed as if his short baseball career would be over. But... Rube decided he wanted to go to college. He wanted to play college ball, so he applied for a team in Youngstown, Ohio, in the Interstate League, but was rejected for being "quote slow." Unquote. He applied again, and was completely ignored. But then, in the spring of, ni- of bleh, in the spring of eighteen ninety-seven, he got an offer from the Pittsburgh Pirates. Ever heard of them? Scouts saw him in Franklin and thought he had potential. The Pirates were coming off three mediocre seasons, and new manager Patsy Donovan thought the team needed new talent. Donovan asked Waddell to join him for breakfast and then practice with the team. Eager for free food and baseball, Waddell agreed. But he must have done something offensive during breakfast because Patsy Donovan dismissed Rube immediately before even seeing him throw a ball. We have no idea what happened during breakfast that pissed the manager off so much. But Rube went home with a full belly and a, quote, cup of coffee, unquote, worth of a career. But then another offer came, this time from a college. Volant College wanted him to play for their baseball team and didn't care that he had no education ambitions. Volant College was competing for tuitions and thought that a good sports team would encourage enrollment. So Volant said that they would give him free room and board, free tuition, and supply his chewing tobacco. He also would earn $1 per game he played. Waddell never attended class, but he did play drums in the school band. He also knew how to play piano, but could not read music. So this dude was a genius. For all of his social faux pas, he was brilliant when it comes down to it.
2: Yeah, I I definitely think this guy would be on the autistic spectrum.
1: Oh, yeah. Brilliant and good at like, all sports, it sounds like good at all sports and could play music by just hearing it that's crazy yeah i forgot what that's called that has a certain name um
0: yeah uh, i can't I'm, remember i'm going to google
1: sorry do i keep moving
2: well <laughs> i keep hearing megan and oh. yours too that's why i keep playing with it okay so oh, i'm sorry no you're fine it's it's the fact that it's a very I very too loud no it's a very <laughs> cheap quality mic that okay. Shelby is having to use. We'll make it work. Yep.
1: All right. So during the season that uh, Rube played for Volant, they lost one game. And they lost because a couple of guys from Mercer, Pennsylvania, literally kidnapped Rube at gunpoint. They drove him to Mercer and held him there until it was too late to return to Voliant for the game. Now, Rube did not take this team, uh, the college team, seriously at all. In fact, he would often, like, send his team to the bench and pitch with no defense behind him. He'd then do handstands and cartwheels after striking out his opponents. He was a bit of a showboat.
2: Unwritten rules my ass.
1: (laughs) 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 After games, Waddell would take his $1 and treat a girl to a date at the soda fountain. Soda back then cost a nickel, and he'd often spend his entire dollar in one sitting. Waddell loved military uniforms, and as a young lad, he enrolled into the National Guard, unaware that the military required their personnel to be in the guard. So one day when he was pitching the national guard stomped out onto the field and arrested Rube on the spot. This is brilliant. And I have to share word for word, what I read um, of Alan Levy's biography. And this is from page 17 quote Waddell landed in the stockade and his pitching prospects for the rest of the summer appeared bleak. With so many tight spots in which he would find himself, Waddell always seemed to have the briar rabbit knack for escape. Later in the afternoon, while Waddell languished in the stockade, guardsmen outside the building were jolted by a sudden explosion. They discovered that someone had tossed a load of ammunition cartridges into a stove no one could fully identify who could hurl such items with the necessary strength and accurate accuracy. The guards had their suspicions. None of the other prisoners showed any inkling to cooperate with investigators. However, and the guard officials concluded it was best to release Waddell from all further obligations. Bro. Bro. Bro.
2: This guy was a character. Oh my I God. I love him so much. I do
1: too. He is insane. He's just amazing. So the guard let him out of his contract, to let him go because he was more trouble than he was worth. In 1897, Rube Waddell finally got to sign with the big leagues. He joined the Louisville Colonels. And exposure to large to large crowds brought out the performer inside Rube. While in wind-ups, he'd contort his body yet still got the ball over. He made noises on the mound, like sound effects to his whines and pitches. He continued his tradition of cartwheels, handsprings, and other gymnastics between innings, and he never shut up. Yeah. Ever
0: i to see this
2: game. I, I can just <laughs> see it now. Like the most contortious pitcher you can imagine. <laughs> Throwing the ball going.
1: <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> the as shit as it's he would like do.
2: Coming did. at you. Yes.
1: He made noises for his pitches. Like, <laughs> like that was exactly right. <laughs>
2: <Yes>. <laughs> Something like that as it's.
1: Yes, that is exactly what he had. He had did. He had did it. Oh, um, man. He bantered with everyone teammates, umpires, fans, the opposing team. His jokes and wisecracks ran despite the other team trying to psych out Rube. It never worked. Everything designed to throw him off, he embraced and added it to his zany flair. He would mime opposing pitchers' windups. And had the entire stadium in stitches. He'd distract runners by making farm animal noises at them. <laughs> the manager tried to remove him, but the fans in the stadium protested so loudly that Rube was allowed to stay. After the games, the newspaper headline was quote, Waddell is witty, unquote. Through all of this, the Louis colonels were failing. They hit 11th place out of 12 teams and yet Rube continued to have fun and his manager hated him for it. He was fined $50 for drinking and Rube was ready to quit the colonels. So he did. Successes often went to Rube's head and he would celebrate with exorbitant amounts of alcohol and if he wasn't wasted, was used a lot in talk about him. Papers saying things like, Rube is a wonder if sober. Paraphrasing. So, he wandered up to Canada and played ball there for a few months, but was back in the States come August. One day in July, a game was literally starting, all players on the field except for Rube. No one knew where he was. Then, In the grandstands comes Rube running toward the field. He had been playing with kids and lost track of time. So he cut through the stands, ran onto the field and to the bench, actively changing clothes as he went. Despite his entrance and tardiness, his team won that game 15-3. to Rube struck out nine players. Baseball was just a game to Rube. He never thought of it as more than a game. He was just a big kid, and he was just having fun. He'd often, throughout his entire career, jump into the stands and interact with fans. He'd have someone cut off a piece of his lucky red skivvies, or he'd steal a bite of someone's snack. So, like, a dude could be sitting there eating a hot dog, and he would just take it from him and, like, take a bite, and then give it back. Like, Thanks, pal. (laughs) He was just wild. Before every game, he poured ice water on his left arm, claiming that if he didn't, he'd catch his mitt on fire, and he truly seemed to believe that. (laughs) No one knew what Rube would do next, and even opposition joined in his zaniness. Outfielder Sam Crawford would say later that everyone played along with Rube because they were scared of him. He was so good while laughing and in a good mood, they worried he'd be utterly unstoppable if he got mad or serious. Now, despite being in the majors, his wanderlust continued. He still ran off in the middle of the games. He still chased fire trucks. One day, his manager received a telegram from Rube. He got himself lost in Columbus, Ohio and needed $10 to get back with his team in Michigan. During his week in Ohio, his team went 1-5. and So his manager immediately wired Waddell the money. One game where he would be facing against Cy Young, yes, that Cy Young, Rube just didn't show up because he would rather play with a dog. In fact, it was an Irish setter. Because he had his priorities right. I can't believe him. Yeah, <laughs> I would. <laughs> right, right. Same. I would much <laughs> rather play with a dog than pitch against the. I guess his like nemesis. It's not the right rival. word. Rival. Rival. Thank you.
2: I don't. I don't know if I would even call them rivals. They just the. I don't think I wouldn't say Rube had a rival. Mm. They the, history has made them rivals. I would say it more that way.
1: Yeah.
2: At the yeah. time, I, I don't think. Rube really cared.
1: No, he 100% didn't. This was all a game to him. He didn't care about stats or anything. He just wanted to play the game.
2: Yep, he wanted to have fun and live life. Yep. Do you have anything about, speaking of dogs, do you have that tidbit and the other tidbit?
1: So I have bad news.
2: Oh, is that a rumor?
1: That is a rumor. In all the research I did, I could not find one legitimate source. Okay. That said that was true.
2: So something I had heard reported was that fans, opposing team's fans would hold puppies and shiny things behind home plate to try and distract Rube. Mm-hmm. Um, but apparently that is more so rumor than anything else.
1: I could not find it anywhere actual legitimately that said he would get distracted by people bringing puppies into the stands.
2: Okay.
0: Oh, I would.
1: So I, I so wanted to include it because I had heard that before, but I couldn't find it anywhere legit. So. Okay, fair enough. But it's nice to think about.
2: It is. The fire trucks are enough.
1: Yes, and that one hundred percent is <laughs> real, as real as you and I. So, one day, a group of boys ran up to Rube and asked if he could show them how to throw a curveball. These were little boys, obviously. And Rube agreed, but he didn't have a ball. So instead, he would just use bricks. (laughs) He hurt his arm, hurling heavy-ass bricks, and again infuriated his manager. Because of this stunt, he suspended Waddell indefinitely on July 8th. Rube learned he was suspended from a newspaper and threatened to shoot his former manager, Fred Clark, ow, if he ever saw him again. So, gross, I just had like a hip, hiccup burp thing and I tasted apple. <gasps> I wrote that. Oh, you know what I'm talking about. Hey, <laughs> um, Yeah, so you burp and you get apple, guys. Yeah. Interesting. And that's when Connie Mack decided he wanted Waddell. Mack brought Waddell to the beer capital of America, Milwaukee. But problem. He technically belonged to the Pirates and had since he wasn't let out of his contract when Fred Clark suspended him. So back to Pittsburgh he went. On October 5th, the Pirates hosted a, quote, field day, unquote, at Exposition Park. Players were told to dress in costume. Rube was in his element, dressed to the nines in a full Uncle Sam (laughs) getup. Top hat, beard, everything, the I want you poster.
0: This guy's a character.
1: He is. And I would pay money to have a costume day at a baseball park today. Like, that would be so fun. That would be amazing.
2: Shelby, get closer to the mic. (laughs) All right. Pull it closer to you.
1: Hello. Hello, Shelby. There we go. (laughs) (laughs) So, as time passed, Fred Clark never warmed up to Rube. And he basically fought tooth and nail to get the pirates to let Rube go. And finally, they agreed and Chicago gobbled him up first. R- Rue Waddell became an orphan. Sometimes they were called the Chicago Remnants. Again, this was the Wild West of baseball. So he was a Chicago orphan slash Chicago remnant, and they would become the Chicago Cubs in 1905. Now, let's talk about his first game, with the Orphans versus his old team, the Pirates. The headlines the day after were, quote, Rube starts out gunning, unquote. But Rube didn't pitch that game. In fact, Rube spent the entire game in the grandstand, proudly brandishing his new gun, a loaded Smith & Wesson revolver. He claimed he brought it to Get even with past teammates. Ooh. So um <laughs> yikes. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Um so some of the pirates obviously were nervous seeing Rube waving a gun at them, but the pirates won anyway. The next day, Rube would actually face them. And uh Rube debuted in Chicago with 14,000 fans in the stands. Now, because of his crazy, zany personality, um, he ended up falling in love with theater, and he really connected with actors. So he became a frequent um, visitor or patron of all of Chicago's theaters, and got so close that many of them would just let him backstage. That's where he was attacked by a lion. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> They're coming off guard. There's, right? no,
2: there's no easy way to say it. Yep. So she just came out and said it.
1: <laughs> he was attacked by a lion. Um, One day he saw an animal show in the theater and decided he wanted to play with the big cat. It ended up playfully clawing his arm, his right arm, luckily, not his left. And to avoid a fine... Rube claimed he was held up by highwaymen who stabbed him in the arm rather than playing with a lion that clawed him in the arm. By late summer, Wanderlust took hold again and Rube vanished from Chicago. He surfaced in Wisconsin playing for a local team that gave him six days a week to fish and didn't make him practice in the mornings but he vanished from Wisconsin, too. By October, it seemed that Rube Waddell was done with baseball, except that a couple of Chicago players tracked Rube down and asked him to go with them on a tour in the West. Waddell had never been out West, so he agreed. And Connie Mack entered his life again. It was time for the two to partner. Waddell would become a Philadelphia athletic and be managed by Mac. On July 1st, 1902, Rube pitched a perfect game for the A's. Tyler, what is a perfect game?
2: A perfect game is a game in which nobody reaches base. Via, It's not 27 strikeouts, but it's, Nobody reaches base. No wild pitches, no singles, no hits, nothing. No errors, nothing.
1: Nothing. 100% perfect game.
2: There are only a handful that have ever been thrown, if I'm not mistaken. I'm looking it up now.
1: Well, as you look that up, this game was enough that baseball folks talked about this game for 20 years, and a poet even wrote a poem about it. He was staff on the Philadelphia Inquirer, and the poem is fucking horrible, but I'm going to read it anyway. (laughs) Oh,
2: I'm sorry. I also failed to mention uh, there's no walks in a perfect game either. Yes. No base runners at all.
1: Yep. All right. So the poem goes, quote, a Reuben to the diamond came, the rooters rooted free. You've all heard rooters just like them before. He spat upon one horny hand and wiped it tenderly. <laughs> you've also seen them wipe it there before. Up to bat, the Orioles rose. His face was filled with glee. There, various brands of glee you've seen. There, are various brands of glee you've seen before. That is what it says. Jesus Christ. (laughs) Strike one, the umpire called. Strike two, the umpire said. Strike three. But you've seldom seen these kinds of strikes before. For when Reuben twirls the sphere, the planets shrink in fear, and the sinuous sea serpent its sorrow tries to drown. Then the cyclone hides its head, and the birds go right to bed. For there's doings on the diamond when Reuben comes to town. That was rough to read out loud. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> that was That was hard. That was horrible. But this was the first poem Rube had written about him. It would not be the last. Rube took the A's to the top. Did you find out the number?
2: I did. Twenty-three times in Major League Baseball history, oh. with twenty-one of them coming since the modern era of 1901.
1: Wow. So, just that's hardly anything. Yeah, when you uh, think about yeah,
2: 162 games played per season. Well, now that's fluctuated since you know 1901, but per 32 teams.
1: Yeah, that's per weird. how
2: many years? And there's been 23 total.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely ins- insane.
2: There's actually only ever been one thrown during the World Series. Mm. And that was thrown by um it, it was 1956, the Yankees p- pitcher. Oh, I just saw his name, Don something.
1: Uh, of course it was a Yankee.
2: Don Larson and Yogi Berra caught Oh, him. Yogi
1: Berra. I knew that. So uh, there is so much to talk about Rube. Um, I'm going to go over some of the things he did. He did. I'm going to go over some of the things he did when he was an athletic. During those six years, he saved a woman from drowning, ended up bartending at a local saloon, shot a friend through the hand, married and divorced more times than he can recall, starred in a play called The Stain of Guilt, caused a rule that forbid eating crackers in bed, carried a burning oil stove out of a building before it could start a fire, and continued to do rube stuff, as in chasing fire trucks off the mount.
2: Uh, I gotta interject here please tell me you have more information on the crackers thing. (laughs) I know that one. And if not, I'll interject a little bit that I know.
1: So I didn't write it down. Um, and you haven't talked a whole lot. So tell us about the crackers.
2: So essentially at this time, as the team would travel around, they had, um, uh, the buddy system, like, Mm -hmm. uh, and Rube roomed with a catcher. They were roommates in whatever hotel or whatever. And uh, yeah, the catcher fucking absolutely re- refused to room with Rube anymore because he kept getting crackers in the goddamn bed <laughs> every freaking day and night.
1: Yep. <laughs> so they finally had to ban crackers in bed. Um. Something I wonder today if in major league baseball if it is still banned like <laughs> it's such a random rule I know right like could a member of the Braves be like eating crackers in bed on the road and get like his wrist slapped I don't know, I don't know. with
2: the way the Braves season is going recently
1: <laughs>
2: yes Probably. what will happen is he will he will get suspended from baseball for <laughs> 20 games or something
1: uh so as you guys have probably realized, because I keep mentioning um, Alan Levy or Levy, I don't know which it is, that um, he's a biographer that wrote a book on um, the Rube. I got a huge chunk of my sources from this book, and this easily have, could have turned into a two-parter, um, but I decided that I didn't want to do that. Um, if you guys are really into learning more about Rube because, dear God, there is so much more, I want you to support Alan Levy. Go out and get his book.
2: I would and- 100% second that. Learn more about this man. Yes. There's, I I feel like Megan's painted a very good overview, but there's a lot.
1: There is so much more. that If you're interested at all in anything I've said, Get this
2: book. Even if you're not interested in baseball, (laughs) this man was just a...
1: He was phenomenal. Yeah. Otherworldly. So, he had his career with the A's and he was doing great. And his alcoholism worsened and worsened. And his ball game was affected. On the off-season, Browns owner Robert Hedges hired Rube as a hunter to try to keep him out of trouble. At one point, Rube Waddell became a professional alligator wrestler one offseason with fellow baller O.C. Shrek, Shrekengost. And Shrek and Rube basically became inseparable best friends from there on. They were alligator wrestlers together. Despite Connie Mack and the rest of Rube's friends trying to keep Rube engaged, the alcohol kept winning. In 1909, he passed out mid-game, blackout drunk. He was released from the majors in 1910 and wouldn't play another major league game. He played in the minors, but his health declined rapidly. In 1912, he helped save the city of Hickman, Kentucky during a flood, but he caught pneumonia from his heroics. His health never recovered, and he was found wandering the streets in November of 1913 in St. Louis. Police picked him up as a vagrant. He was diagnosed with tuberculosis.
2: Mm.
1: He went to live with his sister in Texas with the hope that the warm climate would aid his recovery. The new manager of the Virginia Ore Diggers, Kid Taylor, offered Rue a contract to play as soon as he was well. Rube sent it back unsigned. Rube Waddell wrote a powerful letter to young baseball fans warning them of the dangers of alcoholism. He wrote, quote, I had my chance and a good one it was. Many boys may have a better one ahead of them than I had. If they will leave to booze alone, they won't have any trouble. I am not a very good preacher, but keep away from booze and cigarettes, unquote.
2: Wow, that uh, speaks a lot for what we're doing here.
1: Yep. Mm -hmm. He died on April 1st, 1914 at 37 years old. Quote, you see, even the grim reaper could not fully silence the spirit of the rube. After all, it was April's fool's day, and Rube had to get in one final jest. Unquote. Harold Skelton wrote a poem to Rube Waddell on April 16th, 1914. This is a good poem. When in praise to the stars of the present day, your voices glad you raise, think of the one who has gone before, the star of formal days. When Walter J. was still a youth and Russell was a boy, the pitching deebs of, Rude, of Rube Waddell thrilled many fans with joy. They speak of Walter Johnson's speed, of Wood's smoke ball as well. Think of the speed of the Southpaw King, the speed of Rube Waddell. They talk of Bender's mighty curves, of Rucker's famous drop. But Rube Waddell had everything— from a slow one to a hop. One hears much of the pitcher's skill and of the hurler's spell. Just ask the batters Rube has faced of the skill of Rube Waddell. But time has claimed its victim, and Rube has heard the call. No more will Waddell toe the slab. No more will he play ball. No more will batters fear his skill, for Rube Waddell is gone. No more will he mow the batters down as he has always done. So when you talk of Johnson, Wood, Bender, and the rest, just speak one word for Rube Waddell when he was at his best.
0: That is a good poem.
1: I like that one better than the last one. Yeah, me too. (laughs) And that is The Amazing Life of George Edward the Rube Waddell, a supernova who burned bright and died young. So how old was he when he died? 37.
2: 37. He lived. God, did he live. He
1: lived more in his short life than a lot of people will do.
2: Yeah. in, in lifetimes twice as long.
1: Yes. Yeah. So. Um, Here, I would like to interject um, that if you have a problem drinking, please seek help. Um, Reach out to the Problem Drinking Helpline. Its number is 1-800-662-HELP or 1-800-622-4357 or visit findtreatment.gov.
2: Yep, we have that in our show notes at the bottom. Yes. So, um, On that note, we're going to get out of this and I'll do a quick uh...
0: trivia with Tyler.
2: All right. So I've got a couple of these lined up here in my phone here. Um, And I was just looking over them. I can't decide which of the two I'm going to do. So uh, I'm going to go back to my original. You ever been driving anywhere and you just kind of end up where you're going? Like zone out? You have no idea
0: oh, how you yeah. got there? It like, yeah. happens all the time. I was going to say 90% of the time? Yeah.
2: Highway hypnosis is an altered mental state in which a person can safely drive an automobile great distances with no recollection of having consciously done so. Yeah. It is a manifestation of automaticity where the subcon or where the conscious and subconscious minds are able to concentrate on different things.
0: Uh, yeah.
2: I had that happen so often to me in my teenage years when I would have to drive two and a half hours to visit my parents.
1: Just in your Maybe teenage years?
2: Well, I mean, it happens afterwards, but I haven't been <laughs> like, on many r- long road trips.
1: It happened to me today on my way to your house. I was going to say, <laughs>
0: literally, every time I come here.
1: Yeah, I mm. zone. I don't know how I got here. I'm sorry, I just kicked you. Now you good?
2: So <laughs> that is that. We don't have any mailbag again this week.
0: A request from Shelby. Please email this group. Hey, <laughs> Shelby said it. Have but, to do it now yep.
2: Shame yeah. on you guys.
0: <laughs> it's fun to hear it in the podcast. Final thoughts All right, Shelby. Well, so Apple definitely when you burped, <laughs> I like, I, same. I wrote it down because I was like, oh, I don't want to forget this it's a, It was overwhelming, Apple.
1: yeah. Yeah, it was very shocking. Like, I was not prepared.
2: That, that's very interesting. Yeah. I would have never.
1: I feel like you would like it. Is yeah. Because you're always talking about how you like Apple.
2: I do. Yeah. I, I I enjoy.
1: This is one that I definitely think we should probably buy Yeah, again. Okay.
0: Um, I thought it was like, it, and I'm not the whiskey connoisseur here, but it was fairly easy to drink for me. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it yeah. does have a bit of a burn, a lingering burn, but yeah. it's not.
0: Overpowering. It's, yeah, yeah, it's not a heart burn. You're right. Burn. It's a
1: different kind of burn. Yeah. That's
2: yeah, like, I that, like a, that was something I observed just from the one sip that I had is that it was a fairly smooth, easy drinking
0: yeah. whiskey. I thought it was like a tongue tingle versus like the burn all the way down.
1: Yeah, I like that description. Yeah. Tongue tingler new term it's a tongue tingler um i mean overall i've been the presenter so i haven't got to drink as much as um i would have but the flavor has stayed consistent um the aftertaste is that sweet fruitiness um i really i really like this rye this is another rye that i think um is good and I'm going to say um, good job to that distillery out of Statesville, um Southern Star. You guys are doing something right and I look forward to uh touring your distillery and hopefully recording an episode from there maybe one day. Ooh, yeah, cool. that would be cool. That would be really cool. cool. So
2: what would you rate it? Or uh, I'll let you go ahead and take another sample since you've yeah. still got some in your glass. Shelby, what would what you rate you it
0: out I get to
2: read. yes i it know it'll even go on the uh website
0: in parentheses, Shelby, <laughs> um, I would go with a seven
2: seven out of ten,
0: yeah, I felt like for me, especially, I have a hard time with that burn, and I didn't really have it with this one um, again, I don't drink a lot of whiskey, but I think I could drink that one I
1: yeah. I'm right there, um, well, Shelby, I was struggling between a seven and an eight, um. And I guess we'll we'll roll double sevens. I'm gonna go a seven right there with her.
2: all right, well, I don't know if I should give a rating or not. um
1: do like a tentative rating. We'll put a star by it,
2: yeah, yeah, all right well, mm-hmm. i just from the one sip that I had, I Again, it's something that would be smooth, you know, that I could drink, but the flavor to me wasn't um, wasn't the best flavor I've ever tasted in the world. Mm-hmm. To me, it was a very... The, the finish was a little too... The underlying tone to me in the finish came out. It hung with me too long. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, for whatever reason, I just didn't like that
0: underlying flavor,
2: whether you want to call it the, to me, it tasted like leather and I just,
0: Interesting. I still don't taste I, that,
2: you know, maybe my taste buds are all jacked up. Mm-hmm. Who knows after. What all I've been through this week. Um,
0: I will say that it grew on me. Like, yeah. I, don't, I don't think I would have rated it as high. I wouldn't have it, at the very beginning. Right? I wouldn't have rated it very high. See, and yeah.
2: that's that's what I, yeah. I'm kind of missing out on. Yeah, that. because mm-hmm. I'm my rating is definitely going to be lower than you guys. I was going to rate it like a five. Yeah, um, that's fair. So yeah.
1: it's a good shooter, by the way. I shot oh, yeah. my last bit, and it was a very good shooter. Okay.
2: So. Well, I'm I'm going to go with a. Uh, five on my one little sip that i had just with the expectation that next time i get it i will like it a little more
1: five asterisk yeah
2: yeah so all right well
1: all right guys um i appreciate you guys sticking around listening um Hanging out and tolerating our crazy schedules and life. all of the <laughs> crazy life thing Drama. that happens. Um, as always, me and Tyler are a two man team. Uh, it is just us. And when something happens to one of us, everything kind of falls to the wayside. So thank you guys for those of you who do stick around and uh, don't get upset that an episode might be posted late or don't get upset that a week is skipped. Um, that's. Yeah. Huge and very important, and we appreciate you guys for your support. It's yep, amazing.
2: Ab- absolutely. Uh, we try to be really consistent with these and get these out every... Usually we record them Sunday evenings, and we try to get them out Monday. You know, and even if we're not able to record on on Sundays, we try to record on Monday and get it out as soon as possible on Monday. Um, But... Unfortunately, sometimes
0: life happens.
2: Life does happen. <laughs> yeah. Good and bad and
1: everything in between.
2: Yep. And so you just got to take it as it comes. And yep. we'll continue to do so, but we are in the meantime going to try to be as consistent as possible. Yes. Um, everybody give a round of applause for yeah. friend Shelby.
1: Yeah. yeah. Thanks for having me. I had a blast. Thank you, Shelby, for coming yes, on and absolutely being Yeah,
0: <laughs> It's fun being in this seat versus in my car listening to it. Yeah, so I enjoyed
2: now, it. now you can listen to yourself in your car. <laughs> uh, let's not. <laughs> I'll let you choose. I hope
0: you guys enjoy my voice. It's a very pretty <laughs>
2: voice. It is. it is. I
0: like it. Thanks.
2: But on that note, I, guys, I guess we're going to get out of yeah. here for this week. And I actually was thinking of a topic Well, I was thinking Megan was going to do the Black Sox, um, but I thought of another topic from baseball that I want to cover. And I'll have to look into it and see how much exactly um, I can get out of this topic before I decide if I want to do it or not. So we'll see. All right. But I may end up doing that one next week. We'll just kind of cross that bridge as as it comes, I guess.
1: All right. I like it. Uh again if you like this topic check out alan levy's biography on Rue Baudel and um
2: if you like this whiskey send us an email let us yeah. know
1: yeah or well, even do you if you want to tell us what your favorite sandwich is you can send us an email yeah we'll read that shit go
2: <laughs> and uh check it out check out Southern uh what was it? Southern, Southern Star, Star distillery their uh rye blend
1: double rye blend yes
2: Where's the bottle? Yep, double rye blend. Check them, check those guys out. This was uh, apparently pretty good. <laughs> I'm, I'm a little, apparently. I'm a little frustrated that I didn't get, I wasn't able to drink a there, full one. So we'll catch you. Up. I will have to get on that.
0: <laughs>
1: yep,
2: get caught up on that one. But anyway, we're gonna get off here for the for the week. I hope everybody has a great week. Happy Memorial Day to all our all those who. Passed on while Yes. Thank
1: you for your service.
2: Yes, thank everybody that, you know, it's Memorial Day, so I don't want to thank anybody that's alive. But to all those who gave, gave their lives, thank you.
1: Yes, for sure. All right, guys, Um, problem drinking. Check our show notes, get some help. There's nothing wrong with having a problem. We love you. We hope you love us. Have an awesome week.
2: (laughs) Shelby, do you have anything you want to add at the end here?
0: Now you guys are awesome. Keep doing what you do.
1: All right. Awesome. Thank you. On that note, don't drink and drive. Cheers.
2: <laughs> this is some real shit, y'all.